You've tuned in to a four-headed sausage production. Don't touch that dial. Stay tuned in because your favorite program is coming up next. I didn't see you standing back there, or sitting, or driving, or laying in bed. You found yourself, like you do every week, on My Mind with Stephen Taylor. Now, let's end all this silliness, and start the show. Hello, 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 hello. How are we going? We all good? As you can see, I've, uh, well, as you can hear rather, not really see, but I uh, doubled up on the intros. It's starting of a whole new game plan in the whole 2021. We're doing some, we're doing some big things in uh, 2021. Like the, a big thing that's coming up for me is uh, I'm turning 30, three zero, three zero, half 60 is what I'm turning. Um, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I, I don't know how significant. I think every every ten years it has to be significant. But it like it's odd that in culture as a whole, maybe just Western culture, is that like twenties under celebrated than twenty one. Like eighteen's a big one. Twenty one's a big one. And then 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, so on and so forth. But why why can't we celebrate 31 at big as well? Or like 19? Or, or 10's a big one. Yeah, I like 10. I um you wouldn't believe, but I was 10 once. That's uh yeah, that one landed pretty flat. Yeah. Not much of a dad joke guy, eh? I can't really um I am a dad. I do have one son. Um, I just can't really like I do them, but there's just something inside me that just says, ah, just don't. I used to work with this guy and he was like, he, he was just, he was a dad joke. <laughs> you know, he used to, uh, every, everything you'd be like topping and tailing beans and he'd be like, you've been doing that a while. Yeah. I held for applause. <laughs> and laughter. No, it's just me laughing at me, really. That's all right. But that's okay. So I'm turning 30. So I said last week um, I would do like a longer one. Um, and I am. I'm going to do a longer one. I'm going to go for as long as I can. I'm just going to keep this ball going and we'll try and just keep going, keep talking and talking and talking and talking. And we'll see which one. We'll see what happens first. I run out of memory on the laptop. Or I I just can't think of anything more to say. We'll see what happens. Um, but what's been happening in the week? I've I've really I've tried to be staying away from the news because there's just been so much uh, not necessarily good things happen, I guess. No, nah, it's been good. No, nah, there's always like the sad thing is is like bad news always overshadows good news, no matter what. I think I said it in like an earlier episode, but you never get, you never hear about a positive review for a restaurant or a pub. You have to hear at least 30 before you can really, 
go there and go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go there. But if you hear one bad, one bad, if one's bad enough, then you'll never go there. I mean, you know, I worked at this, I, I, th- I don't know if I've told this story before because I've, because uh, this is podcast number 30. Uh, this is the 30th edition of me talking, which is, um, it's quite good. A lot of you guys, a lot of the guys that do know me know that I can yammer on a little bit. I've got a bit of a gift for the gab. Uh, I very much enjoy it. I mean, I could have, uh, I could have been somebody, but now I'm just a bum. Do you know that one? On the waterfront, Milo Miranda, just saying, just saying. Well, I'm not a bum. Because I have a house. But what's the definition of a bum, really? Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I was um, I was, I was at this place and sometimes, for the most part, when I start a new job, I, t- I tend to go on TripAdvisor or Google and just to see what I'm up against. What I'm going to, excuse me. What, what I'm up against and what I need to um, what I need to do to try and improve the place or whatnot and um, I found this one review and it was like uh, it was it was regarding a breakfast and it said the the subject was um, oh, what did it say? That's not a potato, Rosty. It's a drinks coaster. <laughs> Meaning that it was like so stiff and hard and like cardboardy. Uh, you know, and um, yeah, it wasn't very good. So I tend to like look and have a peruse around. I'm very thankful that that was like the worst one I'd, I'd ever seen at, at a place that I've worked at. After, you tend to look just to kind of boost the ego a little bit. But um, you just go, yeah, you know. They'll never be the same now that I'm gone. Yep. Now that uh, now that I left, they uh, they can't keep up. Yep. It's a sense of like accomplishment and pride and like what you did. It's strange. It's it's, it's a strange. Um, it's not great. It's actually like quite bruising on the ego, really. If you're trying to like self indulge yourself in your own hard work when really the work should be speaking for itself right right you know um a lot of us do a lot of us tend to just let the work speak for themselves i wouldn't say a lot actually when i i say a lot but is it true it's like there's a really common saying in the kitchen that common sense is uncommon <laughs> and they should call it uncommon sense because some of the stuff that people do, it, it, it will just blow your mind. It just never makes sense. It's like if you're at home and you put a plate on the on the sink and then you put another plate on it because that's just how, that's how it works, right? Or if you're putting them away, you just put a plate on top of a plate I've worked at some places where I don't think a lot of these guys even... You remember that game you played when you were a baby where you put the triangle in the triangle and the square in the square and the circle in the circle? <laughs> After seeing some of these plate stacking systems and um, 
<laughs> and uh, shells full of like Baymarie's and Gastros and Wee Dixies. You would think they'd never seen that game in their life. It's a, I don't know. It's like this kind of weird, like chaos that people can just live with. <laughs> it's like one of those weird lesser evil things. You know, it's like oh, it's on the shelf though. <laughs> it's like it's not. It's on the shelf, yeah, but it's like half on something. You know, that's how people get hurt. Um, unfortunately, you know, all it takes is one tray to fall on someone's head on the corner. You know, they're stainless steel. A lot of these trays, if there's something in them, you know, it can go, it can go bad pretty quick. Just hang on, I've just got to sip my coffee because I'm, uh, I'm going hard. I'm going hard today. I'm double, triple, double Dunkin' donuts. You know. Um, I'll tell you this story. It's not my story, but it's someone else's story. Um, I, I was working, well, I was working with this guy and he, cool guy, you know, I've, I've spoken about him before on the podcast, uh, on the, on the pod. Do you think I'll ever, oh, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get to the point of like describing this to people as the pod. Because, you know, my ambitions, well, it's, it's a lot larger than what I think it is, you know, because I want, I want to use this as a, as a tool to, to do other, other shows so you guys don't have to keep hearing about the one subject you guys can hear about. I know this is quite a generalization one and this is one just for me, but no, I'm not going to get into it now. So I'm working with this guy and um, he's like, oh, chef, I'm just going to go and... I need to find a screwdriver because I need to screw something. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I think it was a, he was taking the blade out of a mandolin to sharpen it, I think, if memory serves. I think so. I'm so sorry. Um, the mute button is no bueno today because I just can't reach it. I can't reach it. It's so, it's so close, but I've done my shoulder. I've done something to my shoulder and it really, really hurts. And it's just, it's, it's no bueno. It's no, it's, um, it, it's a bit of a problem <laughs> anyway. So he goes and gets his, his screwdriver and he goes and he goes to the maintenance area of this place. And he goes to this guy and he's like, Oh, um, can I borrow a could do you reckon you could grab me a screwdriver? And he's he's standing there with like two zooper dupers. If you don't know what zooper dupers are, give him a quick Google. But essentially, if you don't want to, yeah, I say essentially they're um, ice blocks that are like long sticks, you know, and they they're in um <laughs> they're in like plastic there. And he's standing there, and he's um he's like I, I can't. I'm flat out. <laughs> He's like standing there with two zoopadoops eating these two two zoopadoops. I can't get that. I'm flat out. <laughs> you know that. Um, that's a good one, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? No, it's alright. It's a pretty funny one. Oh, I love it. I love saying it. It became like. You ever hear that Australian saying like flat out like a lizard drinking? I, I change. I like jazz it up. I was like, you know. I'm, Flat out with two Zoopadoops on a summer's day. Because <laughs> I picture this guy. It makes me laugh every time this guy's standing there. Holding <laughs> two Zoopadoops. I'm flat out. I am flat out. You, you don't understand. 
that I am, I am flat out with these Zuba dupers. You, you understand me, right? Anyway, um, can I talk about something? Can can we all gather around? Gather, gather around the fire. I'll regale you in a tale as old as time, or rather, thirty years old. I know I'm, I seem a bit scattered and um, not organised. It's because I'm doing the thirtieth one. I'm I'm taking inspiration from the very first episode I did, where there was no, there was no notes, there was no organisation. It was just like. Bam, hit record and bang on, you know. So I'm trying to do this because I've, uh, as it's progressed, I've started doing more and more. It's been like, it's had like way more structure. I've actually written out for the most part, I write out like a a bit of a plan. I don't like it. I don't read from a script word for word because that would be silly because I, I, I spit like a lot of words a minute, you know. I wouldn't want to write down everything I say. And um, so I'm taking inspiration from like my first, my first episode where I, I was just, you know, sat down and just started recording and just banged on a lot. And um, so I'm, so if I seem a bit jumping up and down, up and down, up and down, I'm, uh, I, I do apologize, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to do it freehand. I'm trying to do an hour and possibly an hour and a half of just like stone cold recording baby. You know, try it. That's all you can do. That's all you can do is try. Um, so, so my story, right? I was, um, I was working. <laughs> it generally happens in my industry. You generally work a lot, and for better or worse, you get used to it, right? And I think that. Well, obviously, I do. I I love working, and there's there's nothing about. Oh, sorry, I'm talking around in circles. What well, what I'm getting at is that um, sometimes the work doesn't go as you planned. All right, I, uh, I was working with my friend at this um um on in Canberra. Uh, I lived in Canberra for a while. And we're working at this place and it just, there was nothing we could do. You know, it was just, we were trying so hard to make it work with just like two, three chefs. And it was so hard. It was such a stressful, I look back at it now and I'm, I'd, I'd get stressed. <laughs> like it was such a stressful time. And I tip my hat to my friend for like um, keep, keeping it together and doing the best job with, with me and, and both of us really, like I, I really commend both of us for really stepping up and trying to do the roles we were given in like a, a, a hospitality kitchen. And it's a, it's a bit of a, it's, it's a sad story because un, unfortunately um, we couldn't progress there and we couldn't make it. And it, it drained us a lot, that job. Like I was, I was working, I used to work in the kitchen not every week, but like once or twice a week or, or once a week, I would have to do my my shift in the kitchen, which sometimes was breakfast to, to night and or I'd do lunchtime and then the dinner and then I would go and do night ordering at this place. So I'd 
stay up all night listening to a phone and doing like receipts and uh doing security checks and stuff and it was uh it was so draining and it fortunately the place we're working at they pitied us because we we ended up like losing our house at the time as well so we had to move into the place and um which worked out quite well because we got to um we got to stay there and um so, so we're living there, breathing there, and it wouldn't be the first time I did that. It will, that was actually, that was the first time I did that in my um, professional career. I, I did it later when I was out in the sticks, lived on site and worked on site. But, but this, this time it was, it was just so, it was so strange because we're living in this hotel and we felt like, well, I personally felt like indebted and it was just like the worst feeling to feel like you owe this place you owe them you know like it doesn't matter how hard you work or whether you're working in two departments three departments it, it always felt like you, you you didn't do enough to um you did you didn't do enough to to please them and that you still owed them because they gave you a roof you know, and it was like this such, it was such a toxic, <laughs> it was such a toxic, um, workplace, you know, it was so, it was so bad. Yeah. This guy, he, um, the, the manager that this is the guy that did the Barramundi pie I spoke about <laughs> a couple of, uh, about a month ago or whatever he did. This is, this is the guy that did the Barramundi pie. He was, um, he brought his, his kids in and the kid was like maybe four and they'll just like hang, maybe five, four or five, I reckon, or three or four. And it, it was raining and he was, the kid was outside and he just starts eating these rocks out of a puddle. <laughs> and me and my friend are just laughing at this kid because we don't know any better, you know, we're like in, a, in our early 20s. We don't know any better. We're just laughing. And the guy's like, hey, don't laugh at that. <laughs> or something like that. It's like, oh, it's still pretty funny. <laughs> this kid's just eating rocks out of a puddle. <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, uh, at this job, it was just such a traumatizing experience to be there and like I said, it wouldn't be the last time or the first time I've had to work more than 12 hours on a shift, you know. The the saving grace of that place was that they paid us by the hour. So they couldn't not pay us for the hours we worked. And because we're working so much, we're getting paid all right, you know. Like it, it seemed to justify the ends. But in, in the same, on the same line of thinking, it like, like I said, it made us feel like we were indebted because they gave us a, a place to stay and yeah, you know, it wasn't for long. It wasn't for like a massive duration. It was only for, um, no, I think it just over a month, eh? maybe two months. I'd have to, I'd have to ask my friend how long we're there for. Cause it's really hazy. I try and like block that out of my memory. We're there for, yeah, we felt like ages. Anyway, I ended up, um, I ended up burning my hand really like really bad. This is like this. There's a lesson here. Always look after your burns. Always look after your cuts. If you're a young guy 
do everything you can to stop infections because they will cost you more than the actual cut, you know, as far as like longevity and like time in your hands, right? So I, I got this burnt, we were getting railed. I was on like this pan section, you know, flipping pans, <laughs> making making la pastas, you know, going, going all out. And I grabbed this pan and it just, the pan, the handle actually sat over the heat. So it instantly burnt and stuck to my hand. That's when you know something's super hot, it'll stick to your hand. It'll actually cook, right? And... <laughs> so it sticks to my hand. I scream, swear, throw the pan, just keep working. You know, I just, you know, my mate asked me, are you all right? And I was like, no, no, it's sweet, I'm sweet, I'm sweet. Just burn my hand, it's all good. And, you know, I put it under, I, I think I put it under a coat. It was a long time ago, I can't remember. But I, um, I yeah, burnt my hand so bad. It was really, really bad. And... I go home, relax, chill out, you know, we do it again. <laughs> same service, the, the same night, the exact same service. I get railed on pans. I put a pan on the burner and the handle is over the flame. Psh, I burn it again. <laughs> this time I, I'm, I'm proactive, you know, I put it in the... Um, I put it in the ice water and I do the whole service with my hand in ice water. Look like an absolute fool, <laughs> but you know, I stopped it, stopped it. And the, the, the bad thing is about burns. If you get a really bad one, is they actually keep burning. That's why you get that hot sensation through it because your skin or your flesh is still cooking underneath I'm, You know, it's a bit of a trigger warning because it's, it's quite graphic. What I'm about to explain next. So about a week goes past. And my, my, my finger is throbbing, like throbbing bad. It's puffed up so much. It looks like, it looks like the tail of a balloon poodle. (laughs) You know, it's really big compared to my other finger. It was the size of like, it was my finger times two, you know, it was big, man. And I say to my mate, um, I start panicking, eh? My heart's going boom, 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 boom. And I said, like, please, can you take me to hospital? And he's like, are you sure? Is it that bad? And it's like, it feels like the the burn is going through my arm. Like, it feels like the way it felt was like whatever was in my finger felt like it was going to the other parts of my body. And instantly I thought I've got blood poisoning or something crazy like that, which I, you know, it didn't. I was like, oh, it's got to be something like crazy like that, right? And so he's like, yeah, no worries. It takes me because we couldn't afford ambulances. <laughs> There's no way we could afford an ambulance. <laughs> so he drives me to the hospital. You know, I'm super thankful. And this chick is like asking me these questions. And I'm like erratic because like my hand is throbbing. She's asking me these questions. Oh, where do you live? Where do you live? And I'm like, panicking my heart's like I'm boom 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 I'm having like this massive panic attack and you, she could probably see the distress in my eyes and she's like where do you live and I was like you know what's your phone number what's your name what's your Medicare number what happened and I was like oh I just can't I just need to sit down and just relax and she's like fine that's enough you know she was quite rude but you know 
That's what happens when you go to an ER at about 12, 31 o'clock at night. Like that's just what happens. And instantly I feel calm because I'm at the hospital and I'm breathing and I learned like a little bit of, um, not learn, but I, I just, I don't practice meditation, but I do try and practice breathing correctly to try and slow down one's heart rate and relax. Like even when I'm sleeping and my heart's going boom, 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 boom. I always take a couple of deep breaths, reset, and then try and get back to sleep. You know, like that's what always happens. Um, not that it happens a lot. Anyway, so I'm at the I'm at the hospital waiting room and my mates probably think, I don't know, I never actually asked his force, but he was like, it must be bad, you know, because you know, I'm not like a suit, I'm not like crazily tough guy. I'm just like, I'm an average dude, man. You know, I'm not like this, I'm not some crazy Superman, but I'm, I'm sometimes a bit of a hypochondriac. When I was like younger, I was always a bit paranoid about some things. Like yeah. <laughs> I once spent a whole night asking my friend, will like bits of plastic kill me if I eat them. And then he he got to the point where he was like, yes, 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 it will kill you. <laughs> just to like mess with me, I'm sure. And, you know, fair due. Hang on, I'll just sip a coffee. And I, so the doctor comes and sees me. I explain the situation, burn my hand, then burn it again. And it feels like my whole arm is throbbing. And she looks at, you know, the doctor, him or her, I can't remember, looks at it and says, I'm going to give you um, antibiotics through an IV and put you on a drip and we'll try and get you back level and then you can go home. And I was like, yes, sweet, sounds good. And they do the, um, they get the antibiotics and they just straight up, like um tie my arm off at the top it was like i was doing heroin in that <laughs> in like a foreign country like that's how it felt and they put the antibiotics straight into my veins man eh? i've never felt so sick and like nauseous and like light in the head than ever before i felt like it, it felt like I did heroin. I've never done heroin, but I can imagine from what I've read, that was like the euphoric feeling. And I instantly wanted to throw up. Like I could never be a heroin addict, I don't think, because it just felt so bad. And I felt just ugh, afterwards. And I, I basically like they gave me some uh, codeine tablets to help like numb it. And they're like, here, um, call this number tomorrow and book an appointment for the hand surgeon out, out of town there. I was like, yeah, yeah, sweet. So, you know, I organized the day off and I go out there to like this hand um, clinic at the hospital. Cause that's where like the hand specialist was. And so I'm on public transport, catching trains, planes and buses, walking everywhere, you know, cause I didn't have a car back then. So well, I, I personally, you know, my mate had a car. And, you know, I got to this place, which was about an hour away from where I lived. And then on top of that, it was probably another like half an hour on where we worked. So I was quite a way away, quite a way away, you see. And um, I'm in hospital and she's trigger warning. This is going to get graphic. All right. I'm going to, if you don't want to hear this next part, because it's quite bad. It's not like super, super gross, but it's a little disgusting, all right? So just a bit of a trigger warning. I'm just going to 
just going to tell you right now. Okay. So she's, um, she's looking at this like infected bit of skin, <laughs> this infected wound. And she basically, um, cuts it. Right. So cuts it to where it's largest and swelling. And she's like squirt, like massaging it out, like all this green and yellow and all this. If, you know, if people hear this and you want to see it, I've got the, the scar to prove it. Right. Uh, I'll put it on my Insta story. I'll put this, I'll put the scar up and, and then I'll say something like, Oh, check out the full story, figure out, listen to how I got this scar, you know? And this is like, this is my, this is definitely my worst one that I ever got for sure. I've had bad cuts, but this one was the, the one that I didn't like the most. <laughs> um, yeah. So she's like squeezing it out and trying to get all this dead flesh and like infect it. Like some of it was like looking quite dark. eh? like it looked black. Some pieces, like it was dead. It was dead. I don't know how long the flesh had been dead there. It had been like, uh, a, at that point, like a week, a week and a half. Right. So like every, it was dying in there. Right. <laughs> and she's squeezing out and she said, I'll, I'll get out as much as I can, but I'm, I think you need surgery. And I said, Oh, you kidding me? You know, I'm on the schedule for that day. Keep in mind. And I said, yeah, you're kidding. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to make a call now to see if they can book in like today or tonight. And I said, is it that bad? And it's like, yeah, see all this stuff. And she shows me, it's like, all this stuff needs to go. And we don't know how deep it is in there. So we need to work it out. And, um, we need to work it out and do it right. You need, you need to get this fixed. And I was like, all right, let me make a phone call. She said, all right. I said, I just need to call work and, and tell them what's going on. She's like, all right, no worries. Well, I'll call the surgeons and see what we can do. And I said, well, I'll call work and then we'll rendezvous. <laughs> we'll meet back at this point in T minus five minutes. All right. So I go and call, I call my friend who, um, we're, we're working at this place together. And I said, oh mate, I don't reckon I can come in tonight. And he's like, oh really? Well, what's up? And I said, I'm going for surgery. <laughs> And he said, when? I said, today. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, there's nothing I can do, man. Hey, they need to operate on my finger. I'm really sorry. And he was like, oh, man, all right. Um, I'll, I'll work it out, you know. Um, let me know. Let me know when you get out. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I'm really sorry, man. Hey, but uh, my finger's that bad. And he's like, yeah, yeah, all good, all good, all good. Uh, I'll talk to you later on. I was like, yeah, for sure, man. I'll talk to you later. And, um, yeah, so I, I broke the news to him, which uh, devastating to me as well. Like I hate letting my friends down and I hate not being there for them. And, you know, with this whole like lockdown thing, I felt really bad that I couldn't go and, and see a lot of my friends or lucky, like, um, I could go to my hometown and see a couple of them because of, um, you know, it was quite not lenient, but it was a lot easier to go to the middle of nowhere rather than like a metropolitan city, like where my brother lives. So I couldn't really go there and he lives in another state as well. So it's a bit of, <laughs> a bit of a nightmare, but anyway, so she calls the surgeon's like, yeah, they can fit you in tonight. And it's like, Oh, okay, sweet. And so I go put up in a room 
um, in a waiting room. I'm just sitting there waiting, playing like uh, at the time I only had like an iPhone uh, 3GS. <laughs> so I was playing like really, really sucky. I think I was playing like Zombie Garden, <laughs> something lame, like some really sh- really sucky game i didn't have facebook or instagram at that point so i was just like yeah doing nothing i think i messaged my family and said oh, i'm just having surgery um i'll give you a call when i get out i've just got a really bad burn on my finger and um anyway so um i go i go up there uh, i put on like the scrubs and I go in there and me and the, uh, an, an ethicist, right? Is that, is that how I'm saying it? I think that's correct. An ethicist, an ethicist. Um, we're having like a, a good old chat about, um, Hunter S Thompson. Uh, if you, if you don't know who Hunter S Thompson is, give him a quick Google. Cause he, he's the mind behind like rum diary, that Johnny Depp movie, rum diary, another Johnny Depp one and Terry Gilliam as well. I'm pretty sure Terry Gilliam did, um, I'm dying. I can't remember. Um, but he did Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And he did like another movie adaption, but I can't remember. Oh, he spent like a year or two years with like the Hells Angels in like California. Um, just so, so he could write a story. Anyway, he was like a really, really prolific writer. And he was just like this crazy crazy dude. I don't know if you'd say crazy. He was just aware, you know, like what would people say? He was so woke, man. He was just such a woke human being. Like, you know, that's what he represented. He just represented, um, his ideals and he really just really knew where he stood in his life. You know, he didn't have the only questions he had was like, he never questioned, oh, I guess he did question his being. It's just hard to explain, eh? Because he was such such an individual. He was like how I seen individualism, you know? Like um, you could be what you want to be, do what you want to do and be friends with whoever you wanted and there would be no repercussions, you know? Like he didn't see... Um, I want to say like he didn't see politics, but he did. Like he was like a little bit political. He was just an individual. Like he was his own person. He never followed anyone. He wasn't a sheep. He was just like the epitome of um, just being individualistic, like having a singular thoughts and singular mind, man. Like he was, he didn't have a hive mentality. He had like, he just like produced his own thoughts. And un- unfortunately he like took his own life. But what he said was that, if I ever end my life, I'll end it on my terms. And he committed suicide because he just said, that's enough for me <laughs> in like a cabin. He went and he had, had like a cabin in the woods in America somewhere. Uh, I think in Maine, I think, or somewhere like that. Maybe not. Maybe that's just where like Stephen King books are all based <laughs> in Maine, in Portland, Maine, <laughs> in Oregon. <laughs> um, yeah, he, um, unfortunately ended up taking his life back in the, early 2000s I think and go watch a couple of interviews on like Hunter S Thompson because it really opened your mind you know like when I watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas I it just like it's just you know and you can forget about all the drug abuse and all that if you take if 
if you don't think about the drugs in there and you think it don't think about the excessive drug use and swearing and whatnot see like the journey of like him transforming into this um into this unique person you know he, he gets so much perspective throughout the movie and like learns so much about himself and yeah he just uh it's just it's a really good film mate like Go check it out. Terry, Terry Gilliam's um, adaption of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp and Benicio Del Toro and Mark Harmon is in it too. Who's Matt? Matt Hamill is... No, Matt Hamill's a UFC fighter, I think. Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. Mark Harmon is the old guy from, you know, that movie. No, NCIS if you're wondering who Mark Harmon is and they have this, like, this great discussion anyway. Um, yeah. So we just have like this far out conversation about Hunter S Thompson and like the effects of like adrenochrome <laughs> and stuff like that. And then unbeknownst to me, we're like talking about like drug use and like drug use in the film. And <laughs> while we're talking about it, he's literally injecting me with like, <laughs> the um like a sleep aid <laughs> so like i'm talking like yeah you know johnny depp does such a good job and like the funny thing is about like johnny depp he's such a method actor that he actually wore the visor that hunter s thompson wore and the glasses that hunter s thompson wore. and that's all i remember talking about and then falling asleep and then waking up at about three o'clock in the morning in this pitch black room that's traumatic man hey eh? like when you're when you're in a, such a lightly, a white lit room and there's, you know, every, there's like heaps happening and there's lots of rounds and, um, and you see all this, like, you know, people like dressed up to like do surgery, uh, on you. Right. And you get introduced to all these people and then you wake up, you wake up in this pitch black room on a bed with a bandage. <laughs> you know, I can only imagine how like an amputee would feel, um, or, or something like that, you know? Sorry, just having a la coffee. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I can only imagine how, how someone else would feel in that situation being all bandaged up in that. But, uh, I was like, yeah, I was shocked. I was like, Oh, where's my stuff? Like what? can I get up? Like, what are the rules here? Hey, eh? like, you know, I've never had, that was like my first major surgery. Um, yeah. I don't think I've even had like major surgery besides that. I had a bad cyst on my tonsils one time and the dude had to like suck the trigger warning again. This is quite gruesome. The guy had to like suck the pus out of the cyst cause it was on, on my tonsils and that was gross. But yeah, so like, and then and maybe I just fell back asleep. I woke up in a haze. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to bed and see if I can go back to bed. I went back to sleep and, you know, I'm looking at like my wound and I got 16 stitches all up my finger, which was, um, yeah, pretty weird to look at. Like it was still swollen and I'm feeling it now as I'm talking. And I feel like my, it's on my right hand. So it's my dominant hand. If I feel like my ring finger, cause that's what finger it is. If I feel my ring finger on my left hand, it's nice and plump. 
And if I feel the right one, or I can feel skin and then bone, like that's how much flesh they took because they needed to, because it was all infected. And what they did was they did like a, um, like two lines. So they opened it up like a, sorry, like they did like a corner on my finger. They, they, um, from like the, the tip of my finger, no, sorry. To the second joint, there's like a diagonal line to like the next joint and then down to the base diagonal. So they could open it up like a flap and just wash it out or whatever and cut out all the dead flesh. And, you know, it's been fine ever since. But, yeah, oh, man, it was crazy, eh? It was just crazy looking. And, um, yeah, now I've got like this scar on my finger that like when it's cold, it hurts or like I'm really susceptible to um, if I grab something hot and burn it again, it really, really hurts. And even if I get it wet for too long, it really, really, I can't like leave it in a bathtub, put it that way. <laughs> like it, when it prunes, it feels like it's swollen again. It feels like it's like boiling the bone <laughs> in my finger. It's, it's, um, it's not very pleasant, but that's like the worst one. I lost a fingerprint to a mandolin, which was pretty bad, but nothing compared to major surgery. Anyway, that was like, that's like the story of, um, I, I, I'll, I'll try and find a photo of when I had surgery. I'm pretty sure I've only got a photo of my finger, my, um, finger after the stitches, uh, after the surgery. Cause I remember taking them, I remember taking them, um, yeah, I remember taking them, but I don't know. I don't know. Where would, where did you go? Um, no, I don't know if I can find it, but I'll, I'll try. I'll try and find it. So here we go. Nah. Nah. Sorry. Sorry. It's a uh, no. That's a no from me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't have any photos on here of my finger. That's weird, eh? I thought I did. It's a new phone, so also a new phone. It's my wife's old phone um, that I've been using. It's actually good. Like, it's the Pixel 3a. Um, yeah, it's really good. I really like it. I, I, I've got a 4XL, like the large, the large one. And that's a, oh, that's a great phone. I re I really enjoy that phone, but um yeah, this one I'm actually enjoying quite a lot. Yeah, I didn't think I would enjoy it as much because obviously it's not it's not my phone. It's like what you you know yeah because you enjoy your own phone, right? You don't want to enjoy someone else's phone more than your own phone. Always defeats the purpose of you buying your phone, right? Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I, I digress. I can't find the photo. I don't, I don't know where it is. But um, I was I was in there. My brother actually had to buy me like new clothes because he couldn't get into my house. <laughs> so he bought me like a couple of T-shirts and some pants and a hoodie. And um, yeah, he like hobbled down with me and I was like, he was like, do you want me to bring anything? I was like, pack ciggies, eh? <laughs> So a pack of ciggies wouldn't go astray. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no worries, bro. And um, yeah, we went and like carted 
my IV down because I still had to be on the drip and we're standing. I, look, I felt like the biggest loser, but I, but I was like so addicted to cigarettes at the point, at the time. I was like, oh, I just want a ciggy, eh? <laughs> like went down and with my IV and like had a smoke out in front of the hospital looking like absolute drongos. I'm pretty sure my brother was quite embarrassed to see, to, you know, because no one knows. Like you could have lung cancer and walk out and have a smoke. Like no one would stop you and no one would know. You know what I mean? Like if you were just to pass a by and you're seeing someone with an IV drip and a, like a hospital gown on and they're having a smoke, you would you would just assume the worst, you know, because that's just where the human mind goes when it comes to dramatic circumstances, allegedly. That's only my opinion. You know, I'm not saying that everyone believes that. Sorry, just had to sip out a coffee. Um, yeah, so that's that's the story of how I um, got this everlasting burn and I've got like no flesh on my right ring finger. I'm happy, like, I think com- compared to, oh, geez, oh, God, oh, gosh, oh, guys, oh, I just tried to put my ring on my other finger <laughs> and it got stuck a little bit. Oh, that was scary. <laughs> Woo, baby. <laughs> Oh, geez, that would have been bad. I would have lost my wedding ring on, um, <laughs> on to my other finger. And it got stuck right on the knuckle too. Geez, that's never happened. Um, what else do you want to talk about? Do you want another story? Would you like a little story? Because we've got time. I've got, I've got a great deal of time because it's 30. I'm just talking about, you know, I feel like the reason I'm doing um, like the 30 and I'm just, I'll just talk about life experiences and stuff because that's what, that's what kind of made me the person I am and made it to 30, you know, through all these life experiences and life lessons. And, you know, if you don't fall, you don't learn. (laughs) That's how I like to see it. And if, if you live a perfect life and nothing happens in it, like, what did you really learn? You know, if you're not, if you're not, doing the mistakes yourself and coming to terms with it and trying to make it better than what you can't just learn from other people. Like you, you don't build experience by having no experience. Hey, eh? like that's, that's what I'm trying to say here is that I haven't been all around the world and I haven't done all these like wild and crazy things. I've done enough crazy stuff, you know, like I've done a lot of like dumb stuff in my youth and that, but all of that like made up the experience, you know, it made me get to 30 and realize that I'm doing all right. <laughs> I look at like what my life could have been to what my life is now. And I think I did okay. You know, like from going from, you know, having like, like no jobs, prospects when I left high school, eh? like I had no, the only thing I truly loved outside, like when I left high school was movies and video games and music, you know, they were my big three, you know, that that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to write music, play music, sing songs. And I wanted to write movies, produce movies, star in them, direct them. And I wanted to do the same with like video games. I didn't do any of that (laughs) outside, you know, I found this job that gave me this awesome creative outlet and it, um, it, it changed my life. 
honestly, like for the better, I think about all the jobs I've had and, you know, the, the success with the failure, like I, I haven't had like a storied career like Gordon or I've never strived to be the best of the best. I just strive to be the best in my opinion, you know, the best chef that I think I can be, you know, which is probably underachieving for sure. But I, I, I don't think I, I, I push myself, I push myself day to day to like come up with a lot of things and, and do a lot of things and really stretch my creativity bone. But I never wanted, I never wanted to work in like a hatted restaurant. I never wanted to work for like Michelin stars. I never wanted to work for Freddie. Like it just comes from like my fam, like my, my auntie in particular is like, you get paid for everything you do, you know, like you got to earn money. You can't just do things for free. <laughs> so like contradictory because I'm doing this podcast for free. <laughs> like, and I'm, you, you know, it's like taking up my time, but you know, I don't want money. I, this is like a hobby, you know, this is an enjoyment thing, but you know, if you're employed to do a job, you get paid for it. You know, you shouldn't have to work free hours. And I, I didn't learn that lesson early on. You know, I used to work for free for a lot. You know, just go there and not get paid, man. Eh? Just like only get paid, set them out. I'm still doing it. You know, I'm on a salary now. And salary means you get paid X amount a year every year. So, excuse me. Even like talking about salaries makes me tired. <laughs> you know, so I'm not going to. But, you know, like a day-to-day basis, there was, you know, a couple of jobs where I'd work. 70 to 90 hours a week unpaid you don't get paid for it and that's like the the cruel reality of hospitality is like or or rather being a chef it happens to front of house as well you know i'm not gonna lie it happens all over i'm not like blowing the lid on anything i'm telling you what you already know because a lot of people listen to this are like in hospitality and like the the big things that need to change in hospitality is just like the expectation of it's acceptable you know it's like the expectation of acceptable overtime everyone's like idea of acceptable overtime is like when the job is done which is fine but there's got to be there's got to be a line where if you're if you sign a contract this is this is only my thoughts you know i'm not speaking on behalf of a union or like uh, you know any kind of delegate or whatever this is just what i know and what i'm talking about there's got to be a, a line in the sand where if you sign on to do 40 hours right and acceptable overtime is 3 hours and then you work over that there's got to be a system that I don't know how you work it and I'm sure every place is different, but any overtime has got to get like filtered back to that person that does it for sure. Right? Like otherwise there's no incentive. The incentive can't be it's well, you get paid the same every week. You know, that's like, that's not an incentive because you hired me to work those hours. And then when I do extra or the person does extra, you know, you got to be like offered something. You know, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of places, not a lot, but I've heard of a couple of places. I shouldn't say a lot, a couple of places do like, um, you know, give their staff like wine or drinks or like vouchers and stuff like that to help ease the pressure, you know, which is nice. And it's a great thing, but yeah, I don't know. Hospitality is such a weird beast. Eh? Like it's so, 
as far as it's like, because it's such, I, I say this all the time, because it's so young, it's not, there's not much progression. And every, and like the sad thing is, is that everyone's a chef. And that's what like irks me as well. Everyone can wait a table and everyone's a chef because that's the groups that we hire. You know, we don't, we hire people that want to be chefs and people that can cook at home so they can turn that into commercial cookery or turn that into um, a hospitality sort of three where they can wait tables and they do have food knowledge or they can be a sommelier or whatever, right? So like the, that's, I, I know this is a bit boring, but it, it honestly hurts my heart, right? That, the, that hospitality is, is like this because, you know, it's easy to change the mind of 10 than 100. And that's the saddest, you know, that's sad. You know, it sucks. And the, because everyone's a chef, everyone's got an opinion and everyone sees food, how they want their food. And the big thing that I learned in hospital in cooking is that you never cook for yourself. You cook to what you interpret people want. You know, you don't make a pizza and put heaps of cheese on it because you like a lot of cheese, <laughs> right? That's not how it works. You don't. The customer doesn't pay for you to make food like you like it. You know, they pay for what you've written on the menu. They pay for a product, man. Hey, eh? like you're not going to like someone doesn't go into a car dealership, buy a Toyota Camry, and then you give them a Nissan because you prefer it. <laughs> like, doesn't that sound psychotic? Like, you know, like people come out and eat to get something they can't prepare at home nine out of 10 times. It's like they can't do it. So they go and pay for the service to someone to go do it for them. You know, like everyone can cook a schnitzel at home for sure, but it's laborious, you know? It's a laborious job. You got to buy your chicken. You got to butterfly your chicken. You got to flour your chicken. You got to make an egg and, egg and milk mix. And then you got to buy the crumbs or make bread crumbs. And then you got to crumb it. And then you got to find it, figure out a way to fry it. Or if you fry it, you got to pan fry it or air fry it or whatever you do, right? It's laborious, man. Hey, eh? like that one job that costs you in total, let's say eight, nine dollars, oil, everything for one right? Going to cost you $8 at home to make where well, you can go to the pub on a schnitzel night and pay 12 bucks, you know, and you get to drink beer there as well. <laughs> you know, if you do it at home, you got to buy beer, you know, that's it. You pay for the service. You're paying for the service, man. You're not paying for what you can do at home. You're paying for the service to, you know, for someone else to take that burden off you of the cook of the the cleaning and all that jazz, man. Hey, you come, you, you go out and do that so you don't have to do it at home. And the hardest thing is, like I said before, the hardest thing is, I know, I know I'm rattling on, but it's, I'm so passionate about it. I'm so passionate and I'm an advocate for it. I really, I don't, you know, self promote myself as like this person that's passionate on hospitality. I'm, I'm, I'm saying all these things because I feel so strongly about hospitality and cooking that. It's not all like happy-go-lucky chefs, man. Hey, eh? like we're we're this weird demographic of workers, like middle class, lower middle class workers that constantly get told what to do for one, and told how we should do things by people that don't have trades. That's what gets me. Is like 
is like the the micromanagement of people. You know, I've, I've worked with, I worked with this one guy. You know, the guy I told the lamb shank story about. Yeah, him. He was a chronic micromanager, eh? Because he did like a culinary course back in Thailand or somewhere. He thought he knew how to make like I, I I'm Thai. <laughs> I'm half Thai man. I grew up with a fully Thai auntie, you know, like she used to make me Thai cuisine a lot of the time. You know, I wouldn't eat it all the time, but she, you know, she never showed me, but she made it, right? So I've got like a bit of an inside knowledge on like Thai cuisine, right? And he would, because he did this culinary course in Thailand, he would constantly tell me how to make a like Thai chili dressing or how a Thai beef salad should be made. And I'll tell you, there isn't anywhere in Thailand where there's carrot or mixed leaf mescaline. That's what we call mixed leaf mescaline in a Thai beef salad in Thailand, right? There's, there's no way. So you can't, there's no tomatoes in a Thai beef salad. You know, you can throw them in the port in the pawpaw salad, a pawpaw and crab salad for sure. I'll let, I'll let that one go, but you can't, you don't put them in a Thai beef salad. You know, like who are you to say that? They don't, they're not frying sweet potatoes for garnish in Thailand just because, you know, you like them, you know. That's what you got to understand about hospitality. And a lot of, like, people that micromanage need to understand that we did a course and we were trained. We were trained. Like, this is our trade to cook. Something so basic, but we spent our lives dedicated to learn this trade and apply our tools to the trade. You don't tell a carpenter how to build a table out of wood. You know, you don't tell a builder how to build. You don't tell a chef how to cook. That's just the way it is. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm not even like single-minded about it. That's just the reality. Like being a chef is a trades person, you know? Like being a chef is you've got a trade and that's your trade to cook. No one. No one who has a trade likes to be told how to apply their trade if that person doesn't have a trade. Just because you're a very, very good cook. Listen, darling, I'm a very good cook at home. And I know that when you're doing your schnitzels, you need to pan fry them. You don't know. <laughs> and I'm going to pan fry 300 schnitzels because that's what you do at home. This, the rules don't apply for what you do at home to what you do at work. You know, like there's just, that's not a, that's not a very good comparison of how, how you can make that work, right? It doesn't make any sense to me, especially, sorry, I'm banging on, but I'm just so passionate about it. You know, like I can't, I can't even drink my coffee cause I'm getting so riled up, but micromanagement is one of the biggest problems in hospitality and, um, and, and pay, unfortunately, is like another big thing. And I know I'm banging on and it's not like a, a really positive or it's not a fluffy subject, but, you know, look, I'll, I'll lose a couple of listeners because of it and I'm okay with it. But you got to understand that's how passionate I am. That's This is like the passion that got me into it, you know, not all the paperwork and the cooking, but the, the guys that trained me were this passionate about their food and about their whole lifestyle and like what it meant. This is what it meant to be a chef. You know, this is what dealing with all these problems was like. That's what unfortunately is wrapped part and parcel of it. 
Sorry, I digress, but I'll stop. I'll stop talking about it. I'll, I'll, I'll keep banging on and I'll just keep repeating myself. That's how like my brain works sometimes, you know, sometimes it just, I can't get enough of one point. So I have to keep reiterating the point again and again and again and again and again and again. Um, but look, I, I don't regret getting into hospitality and getting into cooking. That's one thing, you know, I've got a couple of regrets, but being a chef is definitely not one of them. And I'm quite happy to go and do it for another couple of years. But in, in essence, you know, chefing's a young man's game, you know, it needs fresh minds because it's so young in industry, as an industry, it needs constant development and it's, you know, everything's constantly changing. Like food trend changes daily. You remember there was the trend of everybody puts everything on wood. <laughs> it was like people plating on trees and finding like all these natural wood plates, you know, like trends come and come and go so fast in industry. Like I think the biggest trend that I see come and go all the time or the most is um, chips in a bowl and chips on a side. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds ridiculous or like chips in like a little metal basket, you know, they just come in and out of flavor so quickly and so frequently, man. It's hard. It's hard. Makes no sense. You know, just put the chips on the plate. I don't get it. Why? Why are they trying to wait for, trying to double someone's work? You know, like I just don't get it. Um, but yeah. Uh, as you can see, we're we're going to keep prattling on. Usually, you've heard some ex extra, extra outro, outro. It's an outro music by now because we've done um our full hour. You know, we usually only do the hour and then we're crack 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 cracking on but we're gonna we're just gonna keep going there's no more there's no jet skis there's actually quite a large boat trying to skip across the lake um yeah anyway um well we, we won't talk about hospitality because i'll just get rolled up and i'll just keep talking and talking actually i had a really good conversation with two of my two of my friends uh in the kitchen we, we you know i do consider them friends because you what I consider a friend and a work colleague is like someone that I talk to outside of work and have hung out with outside of work and had a good time with that constitutes a friend over a colleague, right? If you, if you, you can be friendly with someone and then if you, if you associate with them outside of work, but at a work function, then I think they're still a colleague. Yeah, I think so. Um, maybe. I like to be, you know, I like to be friendly. I don't like a lot of friends. I'm quite happy with the friends I have because I don't have many, which is great for me, you know, because that's the type of person I am. I don't like to, I don't like to commit to a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of stuff. You know, I couldn't be, oh, I couldn't have like more than a hundred. That's a lot, actually. That's, that's a lot of friends. Imagine having a hundred friends. I don't even have a hundred friends on Facebook, you know? <laughs> yeah. The people I have friends on Facebook, I don't even know if I'd talk to all of them, but I consider them friends, I think. Mm. It, are you, would you ever be friends with someone because you've had like a small interaction with them? Does that constitute you, them, them or you sending them a friend request? 
on Facebook. Is that how the world works now? It's like we're such in like a communicationless society that we constantly communicate through the blanket of the, for lack of a better word, the infonet. You know, it's like this massive infonet that blankets the whole world, right? That that we um, communicate with. It's like constant electronic signals being sent all at all. This is getting deep, man. <laughs> stop, man. Stop, stop, man. Well, why I say infonet, it's actually, I didn't come up with it. I'm not that original. I like to be quite original, but infonet is definitely taken from um, the Cable and Deadpool series. It's actually a, um, a mutant X-Men called uh, Bashir Garib or Garib Bashir. He's Indian and he can actually hear um, electronic signals. Like that's his mutant ability. He hears electronic signals and so like he can see um, emails or whatever, you know, and he can process them. It's like this, it's like an electronic telepathy. You know, he can communicate with things electronic. He can't control them, but he can communicate with them, right? And he um, has this suit called the Black Box. Black Box is like his superhero name. Or no, uh, his bad guy name is Black Box. When he was a superhero, when he was like a hero or with the X-Men, it was like... Oh, sound wave. <laughs> That's a Transformer. Oh, I can't remember. Um, sorry, I'm going to nerd out here a little bit. Um, yeah, so he's called Black Box, right? I can't remember his hero name. I'm very sorry. I just can't remember it. Um, yeah, so he's like the Black Box armor, right? Right. And he, he um, in the Cable and Deadpool series, Cable befriends him. And as you know or don't know, Cable is actually a time-traveling mutant. So Cable, a bit of backstory, we're going to nerd out here for a minute, but Cable is actually, you know, the guy from Deadpool 2? right? The TV, the movie, if you haven't seen it, go watch it because it's pretty good. Josh Brolin does a really good cable, you know, because cable is essentially Josh Brolin, you know, <laughs> like just an old tough guy. You know, that's how I see Josh Brolin. It'd be weird if they actually, there's a cool comic book series out at the moment. Um, it's like a reimagined version of cable by Jerry uh, Duggan or Dugan who Jerry Dugan did the, um, um, fourth kind of, uh, the fourth kind of continuality of Deadpool stories. So that was like, it was like Fabian niche, like cable and Deadpool and like early Deadpool. And then there was like, uh, Daniel way. He like did it. And then after Daniel way, it was Jerry Dugan. No, I can't remember the new guy for the life of me, but yeah. So Jerry Dugan did like, um, the dead presidents, um, the, uh, yeah, the Dead President storyline of this is all comics. This isn't a TV show. This is all like me just nerding out over Marvel comics. Um, shout out Marvel. Um, yeah, so he he did that, and so he's doing like a reimagined um, Cable story where instead of Cable, because you only know Cable is this, this old man, this old like soldier, but he's actually doing like a younger version of Cable. Um, and he's, that's when he's like doing the time travel and all that, you know, he's doing it when he's younger instead of like older. And like, uh, from what I've read, there's not a lot of story about that, which is quite interesting. I'm quite happy to, 
yeah, I'll wait till like the vote. It's coming out issue by issue at the moment. So I'm waiting for the um, the whole novel to come out. I don't like buying issues. Like, yeah, I'd rather just wait for the the whole novel to come out and then I'll buy them and like, yeah. So when you buy like a novel or like a volume, you get like the, you know, five or six issues in one book and they usually chuck in an annual as well. So hopefully it gets like, yeah. Hopefully they like continue it too because Jerry Dugan's a really good writer. He, he writes really well. He writes um, how you oh, – it sounds so dumb. <laughs> he writes how you think the character would sound, which is really good. That's why I like – yeah, the way he writes dialogue is really good. It's very flowy, like similar to how like Quentin Tarantino writes dialogue. It's very – it has like a really good flow and it – it goes really, really well and it doesn't, it kind of just keeps stemming from each other. It's like a constant like talking. There's no like, unless there is a break from turning the page. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to do in a comic book because there's so much expositionary dialogue that you have to explain. And for, cause you, you got to think that every issue is an issue that could potentially grab someone so you need to have enough you can't have dialogue in there that doesn't have a bit of backstory so people can jump for the casual reader that can jump in jump out right so like the if it'd be like if you're reading like a book with 13 chapters and they only brought out one chapter at a time and in every chapter they did like a recap of like what happened in the last chapter that's how like comic books read so like you could be reading a, a, a volume. I've read like so many Deadpool comics and like Cable and Deadpool comics that, and like some Avenger ones and even like, I actually started reading like, um, uh, I may even spoke about it. I started reading like Black Widow's uh, comic books, which is really good. Um, it's, it's a cool story. I think I spoke about it before, but it's like how Black Widow like gets out of, um, uh, it's like life outside of the Avengers and she tries to like break away from the Avengers and like start, start fresh. Um, yeah. So like every issue that you finish within like the volume, it like does a recap at the start of the page. And like the, I think the coolest thing that um, uh, Fabian Niche started doing during the Civil War tie-in, the very first Civil War tie-in, was that he was doing the recap page like it was like a Deadpool talk show and he'd have like one of the guests from the comic book who was in the series like fully breaking. The fourth wall's been broken, broken down. You know, he's in the living room with you doing this TV show and he did like a Letterman, Jay Leno style kind of reading where you like introduce like the guests and, you know, they wouldn't know how to handle, you know, handle the fourth wall and that. And, uh, you know, he'd ask them questions and, you know, so you could get the expositionary dialogue in that way. Anyway, um, so <laughs> going back to what I was talking about, black box, in, in the cable and Deadpool, this is so like such a tangent. I'm, I'm, if anyone's held in for this long to figure out like what, black box is doing with cable then thank you <laughs> thank you for hanging in there because we got there in the end it took about five or six minutes but we got there um so <laughs> he's like like i said here's here's a bit of exposition expositionary dialogue um he wears his black box armor and he's teamed up with gable cables um 
convince him to be a good boy, a good guy. And Cable, because he's from the future, he's built like this island that is full of futuristic tech. And one of the futuristic things in there is something called, um, it's like an information chamber where there's all this information in there. And um, it it's like um, just processing the the blanket of information around the world. When he puts the armor on, he can actually control, not control, but he can process all the information to a stream so he can search it. And it's not just this constant wave of information going. So that's what the, the, it filters through the information. So like what I'm saying is the world needs um, a black box armor that can filter all this information that we have to process on it. We need to invent a black box armor. <laughs> Every household should need a black box armor where it can filter information to the rest of the family. There should be one person in the family that can process the information. You know, talk about big things on um, the the week of my thirtieth birthday. I'm 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 thirty in a, in a couple of days, which is um, yeah, crazy. You never think that. Well, you obviously think that one day. Oh yeah, we'll get old, but. Yeah, not really. Not really. My son woke up um, having a nightmare saying that, oh, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. It's a grim topic, especially for a six-year-old. But you got to, like when I was six, I remember saying that to my dad, you know, and I told, my, I told my son that. I said, oh, mate, I used to get the same thoughts, man. Everyone thinks about it and everyone's aware. That's like the, <laughs> I didn't say this, but this is like the curse of being human is that you, you know that you can die. You know, that's what separates us from the animals is that we know when we can die and we know how we can die and we know how to end our lives. Isn't that crazy? You know, like God or whoever gave us this celestial power to think and <laughs> process and change and manipulate and you know, change our situations at the drop of a hat, you know, like that is, that is it. That's like, that's everyone's superpower is the ability to change. That's why like people aspire to be superheroes and be super strong and have superpowers, but you already have a superpower. The superpower that every human being has is the ability to change and change their lives for better or worse, you know, like that is, it's like a double-edged sword, you know, you can change your life that will benefit you, but may not benefit someone else. And that is like, that is every person's superhero. And I'm an advocate for like Marvel comics and superheroes and the whole superhero universe. But the, the thing is that uh, every person has inside of them is like willpower and the ability to change. That is everyone's superpower. Yeah. That's how I see it. That's how I see the, um, and get, getting to 30 made me realize that I should have said that to my son, actually. Like that's, uh, you know what? I'm going to say that to him tonight if he comes up crying. Anyway, so what I'm trying to say, I'm <laughs> just tangenting. I'm a tangent, man. I digress. I digress. What, what, um, you know, he, he woke up in, in all sorts saying, you know, I don't want to die. I don't want you guys to die. And I said, mate, but we're not going to die tomorrow. 
And this is the crazy thing about being human. You can say that. You can say that you're not going to die tomorrow. Whether it comes true or not, you can you can say it because, you know, we believe it. And we will it. We will. We have the willpower to say and to, to, to make it happen. You know, everyone's got the ability to, to not die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying, mate, it's all right. You know, like, you know, everyone will die, but by the time we die, we'll all be very old, you know, and that's all you can say to them. You just reassure them that you're not lying either. You know, like old is a, a very malleable term, <laughs> you know, like old, like having an old phone could be two years old. A very old phone could be three years old. Here we go. I'm getting deep and someone started mowing the lawn. Brilliant. That's anyway, I'll, I'll, I reckon we'll wrap it up. We'll do some shameless plugs and yeah. Um, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. We'll, let, let's stop while we're ahead before the lawn mowing gets too intense. So there we have it. Now it's time for everybody's least favorite part. Like I said, I'll try and save it all for the end. So if you've hung around for this long, you can hear me talk about Shannon's plugs. Um, just, just plugging it, man. You know, like that's what makes the story grow and the stories get bigger. I talk about it all the time. I'm sure is that, you know, the, the, the realism of being and, um, a person is sharing, sharing stories and sharing what we know about the world so we can get bigger and get better at it, get better at life. You know, we all learn from each other's experiences, but sometimes we need to have the experiences ourselves to teach other people. Right? So here it is. You can go to iTunes and you can leave a review. All right. And you can leave a good one too. I mean, please come on. It's 30. It's 30 and 30. You know, I'm 30 and well, I'm not 30 yet, but maybe you guys will listen to this on my birthday and it'll be like, it's my birthday today. <laughs> and you're listening to it, right? Um, yeah, but you know, you can go there and you can leave it, leave a good review. Leave, give me a five star, you know, five stars, I think is the best review you can give, right? It's not bad. It's not a bad show, right? We're just talking about stuff. This one was a little bit serious, I will say. There wasn't too much like funny, funny going on. But you can go, you go to iTunes or Google and leave a review. Uh, Google Podcasts and iTunes. I'll, I'll work out how to put a link of reviewing in there. I was using this rate this podcast thing, but it wasn't really working for me. I found a lot of people had to like sign in to that um, particular website to make it work and it didn't really work for me. So just go to iTunes anywhere, anywhere where you can review, um, or rate a podcast, just go do it, but rate mine, my mind with Stephen Taylor, of course. Um, you can also send an email to, uh, my mind podcast at gmail.com and come dot com. My mind podcast at gmail.com right so you can go there and uh you can send us an email you want a story shared or you want like just to have some interaction with your gracious host you, you can and i'll email back and i'll say hey that's what i'll say i'll say hey and then i'll answer your question just to make it really really weird um 
And you can, you can also go to Facebook, if you have Facebook, or Instagram, maybe you're an Instagrammer, you can go to, um, you can follow it on Instagram, which is My Mind Podcast with no vowels, strictly no vowels. And it's M-Y-P-D-C-S-T. No. <laughs> it's My Mind Podcast with no vowels. M-Y- M-Y-M-N-T-P-D-C-S-T. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes I forget what vowels are and what vowels are in them. I say it so many times, I always forget. Um, you can go there and follow the story there or comment on the photo or whatever and share, share the love, you know. But the, the biggest thing is the way that these stories get out there is by you guys sharing it. Share with your friends. I think word of mouth is like the best way to share share the story and... Um, yeah, share share what we know and and you know live in this world together, man. Don't you reckon, man? Right? Come on. You can also go and follow um, the Facebook page, which is My Mind Podcast, um, on Facebook or My Mind with Step and Tail. There's a group and a page. You know, you can jump in whatever. You know, like them both and follow and maybe you know you guys can put up. Um, put up a post and ask some questions and go hey what about this look look man what about these questions you want to do these ones or what look all right um i, j- I just want to say thank you for tuning in to uh the the podcast this week and i really appreciate it and yeah enjoy your week enjoy actually i didn't even touch on it but happy easter and enjoy the easter break Enjoy.